Hello and welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. I'm Josh Wye. Christmas edition, week 17 of the NFL season. Happy Christmas to my co-host Nick Splitter. How you going, mate? Good, mate. Uh, as I was just saying to you off air, it's about 30 degrees here in Melbourne and sitting out in the back deck with a nice cold beer and it's, uh, life is good. Well, and watching the cricket as well, I assume? Oh, well, not right now because I'm obviously doing yep. a podcast. Yeah, well done. That was a test <laughs> and you passed. You passed. So well done. Yeah, no, I've got to, got to focus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it's, it's definitely on the TV inside when I head back inside. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was kind of a weird Christmas uh, feel this year because normally the last couple of years we've had some NFL at least on. Um, I mean, as good as the Hawaii Bowl is, just doesn't quite <laughs> feel the same as uh, as NFL matches. No, it's not the same. It has, has been a, a great couple of weeks of uh, college football, though. So some massive games and there's a few more big ones coming up as well, which is it's nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, it all comes down to this. Week 17, we have all but sort of two playoff teams officially locked in. The seeding is all that's kind of left to decide. Eagles win and they're in. Titans win and they're in. And then 49ers win and they clinch home field. That's pretty much where we sit uh, at, here at Week 17. Yeah, it's interesting coming into, into this week with so much already decided. Um, James obviously isn't, isn't with us this week uh, on the podcast. He's away with his family, which is, uh, of course, is right in Christmas week. But... Uh, he actually wrote, wrote a really good piece for statsinsider.com.au earlier in the week about, uh, what he's still left to play for. And, and there is still a fair bit. So it's, uh, it's not a, it's not a forget me round. It's, uh, it's definitely worth watching and following. That's for sure. Definitely. And, uh, by the way, just, uh, it is a Christmas edition. So if you do want the podcast to return next season after the holiday season, uh, let us know. Twitter, Facebook, iTunes reviews. Um, we need to start planning for next season um, and any constructive criticism or feedback is welcomed here at the Punt Return Podcast, so keep that in mind. But let's... Uh, yeah, let's send, send us a gift. Yeah, send us a gift. yeah. Christmas uh, review is, is all we need uh, for a Christmas gift. Uh, all right, let's get into Week 16 results. Lock of the week, Kansas City minus 5.5. That was a winner. Never really looked in danger. They kind of were in control for that match uh, from start to finish, Nick. Very much so, very much so. They're, they're the better team by a long way. Uh, like you said, we're in control from the start, really. And it's been a, a it's been a pretty good year of locks so far. Yeah, eleven five and one on the season, so pretty good. You take that, you take that any year. Yeah, exactly, good ROI, but uh, not as good as your long shots. Uh, two and zero last week, <laughs> um, even though we we're only supposed to give one, but uh, you went two and zero. Yeah, tell us about those. Yeah, it's been a good year for my long shots. Probably, probably my best year ever on uh, on bets over over two bucks or, or so. Um, yep. But yeah, Devontae Parker, I thought was was due for a big game. I thought I thought that he would be stinging from not being uh, named for the Pro Bowl, given his his season, hundred plus uh, receiving yards at two fifty. Got up, uh, I think he ended with one hundred eleven or one hundred twelve or something like that. And the the Jets he steals unders. I was pretty confident, and the the, the line and total double three seventy five. That's uh, that got up too. So it's, it was a, it was a good week. Yeah, just an amazing season run. Uh, I didn't go so good, so I just said, let's just put all our focus on you with the long shots. The long shot king, I'll, I'll probably buy you a crown at some point, probably, um, and get it engraved with just long shot written on it. Um, mine was on Kittle. Nice. Unfortunately, just didn't didn't get the 100 yards. He still had a touchdown and, and played a major part in that game. But I'll I'll, I'll talk about line and total double because I was kind of channeling you, and I, I think I nailed the Eagles game last week, and I ended up... Taking a line and double, t- a line and total double myself. I just unfortunately didn't mention it on the show, but I said last week that the Eagles, I said, I can see the Eagles winning outright in a low scoring affair, and that's exactly what happened. Um, so they won outright and, uh, and that game went under, but, uh, they weren't any of my official plays, but I went two and one last week. Arizona plus 10 outright winners, a massive upset there. And then the Pittsburgh Jets game was under Cincinnati plus one, no good in a head to head against you. So a great week for you, but that went to overtime. So, um, did, yeah, you, you kind of feel a bit robbed there at the plus one. Um, but yeah, 28, 19 and two. Way, really. Exactly. They, they both had three possessions each in overtime. So it really was a coin flip game. Uh, I'm now 28, 19 and two on the season. Yeah, good week for me. I went three and zip, uh, which I needed after a couple of really down weeks. Um, I had New Orleans at the minus three, Miami, as you said, minus one, and, and Kansas City, which is the, the lock of the week. Uh, 29-20 on the season, which I'm reasonably reasonably happy with. Yeah, and to and cap James, up, James, Yeah, exactly. James, James, James went three and oh. It seems like every he's kind of alternating. He'll go three yeah. and oh, and then he'll go you know, oh and three, and he'll just alternate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's two weeks in a row now, though, that he's been three and zero. So uh, he's mm. it's kind of a shame that he's not on the show this week to uh, continue that streak. But uh, the podcast overall, well and truly back after a couple of uh, sort of break even and losing weeks there, um, kind of weeks thirteen to fifteen 
weren't weren't our best after we got off to a really good start to the year. So it's good to kind of bounce back to form and and correct that a little bit. So it's been a good couple of weeks for the show. Um, let's talk biggest takeaways from week sixteen, and I think we'll start with you because obviously you want to talk about your mighty Philadelphia Eagles. Well, look, I, I've, I'm going to say this with all honesty that I've been trying not to dwell on the Eagles season. Uh, every week on, on this podcast because there's always been something that I could talk about. But uh, this week I couldn't help myself. It's it's quite amazing given the, the season that the Eagles have had with the injuries and, and whatnot that they're finally in control of, of their own destiny. Uh, as you said at the, at the top of the show, they win, they're in playoffs. That, that's that's the, the, the mathematics of it this week. They win and they're in the playoffs. Um, they, they got it done when they needed to last week against the Cowboys and uh, and took control and they just need to do it one more week, one more week against the Giants. But it has been a really, a really disappointing season because, you know, I think we all thought that, that both the Eagles and Cowboys might have a playoff spot locked up by now. Yeah, I, I certainly thought both. I had both in the playoffs. I had Carson Wentz as an MVP candidate and he's been good the last three weeks, but the first sort of 12 to, 12 to 15, 13 weeks of the season, he hasn't been, uh, obviously fantastic. So, you know, it, but they're still a team you kind of don't want to face if you're a playoff team. So you're kind of hoping that they might botch it and uh, and, and somehow find a way to lose to the Giants this week. Uh, but <laughs> then again, the Cowboys are one of the best teams ever. I'll get to a little stat later on about that. A, a team under 500 with their point differential. It's been uh, a pretty crazy. Yeah, roller coaster season. And it kind of explains the NFL a little bit. Like a bounce of the ball, a couple of special teams plays, a difference between you know, being 10 and 6 and, and having a home playoff game or, or watching the playoffs on television. Mm. And some uh, some coaching decisions. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll touch on a bit later, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Zadarius <laughs> uh, Smith's my big takeaway from Week 16. I think he's the uh, best free agent purchase this season. I think the Packers uh, did a fantastic job in inquiring Smith. Just imagine how good the Ravens would be if they kept Zadarius Smith just quietly. Uh, but Smith, yeah, he's he produced three and a half sacks, five tackles for losses, and five quarterback hits last week. The MVP of that game and, and pretty much um, ended the Vikings' chance of winning that division. He's now got 13 and a half sacks, 35 quarterback hits, and 17 tackles for losses in 15 games this season. And no one's created more quarterback disruptions this season than Zadarius Smith. So would it surprise you maybe if he could get a defensive player of the year vote? What maybe a couple of votes here or there from some some of the voters? No, it cert- certainly wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't think this is this is possibly the the one award that doesn't have a um, you know an absolute winner. I think there, there's a, a number of players that would be absolutely deserving of, of winning defensive player of the year, and he's one of them. Yeah, uh, looking at the odds though, that everyone seems to think it's it's an all but done deal. I think I think dollar fifty out there for Stefan Gilmore, but I don't know if I could take yeah, that price at all. It's I, too short. Too, too short, short for a corner, especially John Brown. Kind of gave him a little bit of uh, how you going, you know, last week and and beat him for that deep touchdown. Not that that's enough to given how good his season's been, but you know, it's just a little bit bits and pieces here or there that you could see. Um, you can get Zadarius Smith at some places at a hundred to one. I thought, given yeah, what he did last week, it's not that bad of a price. And doing it at the pointy end of the season is super important because when the when the panel gets together to, to vote and, and to put their votes in, it's you know what what's freshest in, in memory. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I, I certainly don't think it's as cut and dry as, as the odds might uh, might make it think. Yeah, and if Chandler Jones can break the sack record, which is well within reach for him at this point, uh, there's another guy that could upset, and, and he's out mm. there at some at six fifty seven dollars out there. He he might be a sneaky good chance, and that just rewrites an entire narrative on a season when you look back. Um, because early on in the year, you kind of just flew under the radar, but once you kind of reach that threshold, you kind of get um, thrust into the limelight. Yeah, exactly. It's been been a wild season for Chandler Jones. It's been really unbelievable, and and I think you know he, he always had had big raps on him, but you know really in terms of in terms of putting his name in, in the spotlight, this second half of the year has been unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Um, some more takeaways from week sixteen. If you want to, if you want James's thoughts, as you touched on earlier, he did write a a uh, article this week on Stats Insider about the NFC West, NFC East division titles, the AFC wildcard, and and the coaching mayhem. So please. Check that out. Um, let's get into week 17 where kind of ratings and rankings don't really matter. You kind of throw a lot of that out the window because starters, arrested, motivations, you know, a big, big, big factor and, you know, questionable for some at best. Um, and you just don't know how many quarters or, or drives some players will play. Um, but the nature of the NFL is you can't rest everybody either. So 
Um, you know, some some units will be, you know, having more starters play than others. So that's something you've got to kind of meander through and just tread carefully here. Um, I wouldn't be putting anything more than a unit on any play. There's no sort of big plays or, or locks this week. It's 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 it all comes with a little bit of a caveat or an asterisk. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's one of those weeks where where you just have to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, and remember that even if if starters are rested, their replacements are still legitimate NFL players. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and some teams, their their only goal out of Week 17 is making it through unscathed and unhurt. Other teams have pride to play for and egos and contracts and jobs and their futures. So, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's, this week is a, is a really intriguing one for, for a number of reasons. Yeah, and you speak of players. Some of these players are stuck in depth charts, and if with a, with a big performance, they could earn themselves some money and earn themselves a new deal or, or someone can say, hang on, this guy's... Who's this guy again? And, and you know, scouts yeah, go back and look at their play. tape for the year. Shaq Barrett, for example, who was always kind of stuck behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and he had when he got limited snaps and, and time, he got he got his deal with with Tampa Bay and his chance to start, and now he's going to pocket and, and cash in on that. Definitely, there, there's there's a whole lot of narratives from from I think every for every team, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on every team just because you know there are some games that that, that don't require as much discussion yeah. as as others. But um, look, there, there's there's things on the line, really, for, for a lot of players on every team. Yep. All right, let's get straight into it. And all the games are on Monday morning, kind of split in two, and then there's the creme de la creme at the end to uh, kind of put the cherry on top to what's been a, a really good, strong uh, regular season after some, some down years in the NFL. We've had a lot of injuries, sort of plague teams and things like that, where we haven't seen too many key, key players or quarterbacks go down touch wood. Um, so it's been a really fun regular season. Um, Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, one-point favorite. Total is 48. Uh, I really like the over 48 here. I think this is the way to go rather than looking at the line here. Both teams kind of playing hard for their coach to finish the season. So it's it's not as, as much as people being rested and things like that. We may see some players who are a little bit banged up, you know, sidelined. But uh, I think both teams are going to play the ball and move the ball well. This game features the number one and two passing inta- attacks in the league that the Bucks obviously number one. The Falcons' offense has been on fire lately. They've totaled 93 points in their last three games. Um, in the Falcons' last five wins, they've scored a total of 148 points. And in 13 of their 15 games so far, they've given up 20 points or more in them. And in the last 11 of 13 Tampa Bay games, the total's landed at 50 or more points. And you can always rely on Jameis Winston potentially to throw a pick six or two to boost uh, the total there. He needs two more to join the 30-30 club. Um, I kind of want to see that. Yeah, I, I want to see it too. That, that's that's wild. To be the founding um, member of that club, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the, the one and only. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I agree. I, I like the overs too, and, and I can't say much more than what you already said. But um, what I thought was really interesting is that Tampa Bay have actually taken over the number one position for rushing defense from the Jets, and, and we've been talking about the Jets' rush defense for most of the season. Um, but I really don't think that's going to matter this, this week because the Falcons, as we know, love throwing the ball. Um yeah, and it's interesting that, that Matt Ryan is 11th QBR, Jameis Winston's 18th. Matt Ryan's 14th on quarterback DVOA, Jameis Winston's 24th. But Jameis Winston leads the NFL in passing attempts, passing yards, second in touchdowns. It, he's had an incredible season, but it just goes to show how important and how valuable those interceptions are and have been. Um, you know, imagine imagine if he played on a, on a, a good offense uh, and behind a good offensive line. He's been sacked 45 times. Imagine if he had a good offensive line, how good he could actually be. Um, he also only needs 400-odd yards um, for his first 5,000-yard passing season. He's done uh, over 400 or over 414, I think he needs. He's done that twice in the last three weeks. So I, re- I think that'll be on, on his mind. And, and he is playing against the league's 26th-ranked pass defense. So I do like uh, James Winston to have a big, big passing game to try and hit that 5,000. Yeah, I think yards. I think he'll toss up 500 odd yards in this game. I think it's just yeah. going to be a, a, a air control game, a lot of throwing. Yeah, exactly. A lot of touchdowns. Exactly, and and I think that that lends itself to you know a, a massive overs game as well, like you said. Yep, and uh, so we're both on the same page here at the over 48. Yep, yep, completely agree. Okay, Chicago at Minnesota. Minnesota minus one. The total is 36 and a half. This is a a pass for me. Vikings will likely rest their starters with them locked into the sixth seed. But again, you also might want to erase that bad taste out of their mouth from last week where their offense was putrid. Only Luke Falk against the Patriots had less first downs than the Vikings produced last week. So it was the second worst offensive showing by any team in the league um, all season last week from the Vikings. So you might see them in for... 
for a drive or two to just try and right the ship a little bit and go into into the wildcard week with a bit more of a positive outlook. But it's a clear yeah, pass for me. That is that is a disgusting stat um, and one which the Vikings will want to um, you know make make better. You know they they want some positive momentum heading into the playoffs. But uh, no, complete pass on, on this one for me. Okay, let's move on. Cleveland minus two and a half at Cincinnati. Uh, the total is forty three and a half. I think uh, I like the Bengals here if it gets to. A flat three, I'm not sure if it'll ever get back up there, but um, with the number one pick locked up, I think the Bengals can go out and, and give it their all and beat the Browns, and a team that continues to struggle on defense and um, their locker room's in absolute turmoil on who who wants in and who wants out. And um, I think Andy Dalton facing an injury-depleted Browns D-line could be auditioning for his future here. The Bengals are obviously expected to take Joe Burrow at quarterback with that number one overall pick and makes him kind of expendable. So I think he, you know, he kind of showed that he didn't want to die last week down I think 21 or 19 points against uh, the Dolphins and he did his absolute best to get them back into that game so I think since he I don't think the difference between these two teams especially with Bengals at home is 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 worth that so I think since he actually outgained them uh, 451 to 333 in yards the last time they played in Cleveland and, and the Bengals lost that one but I'm going to take them plus three at home here I, I know it's been like the fourth straight week I've taken the Bengals plus uh, I'm a glutton for punishment but yeah I just think the Browns going into the season losing to the Bengals would just be perfect just given the turmoil they faced yeah I, I was I was on the other side of you last week with the Bengals but I, I'm 100% in the greens this week I'm going to have a play on the, the plus three um, even the plus, uh, plus two and a half as well and a little play on the money line, Cincinnati. I think they're, they're playing for pride. Um, like I said before, they're playing for their futures. There's guys looking for contracts. Andy Dalton, like you said, he's too good to not have a job in the NFL next season. Um, whether it's in, in Cincinnati or somewhere else, he should be playing in the NFL and, and he'll want to show that for one more week. Cleveland, on the other hand, really have nothing to play for. It's been a, it's been a disaster of a season. The players don't seem like they want to be there. Um, they're not, they're not playing for the franchise. Probably Freddie Kitchen's last game in, in Cleveland. I can't imagine him coming back next season. Um, so yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Bengals train this week. Yeah, I, I do. We we talked about it uh, on Tuesday, I think, uh, just in our little chat about Andy Dalton's future and where he's gonna end up. And I I, su- I suggested New England next year. I thought it would be just absolutely perfect if uh, the well, not perfect, but it'd be really. Uh, poignant if the Patriots, you know, won the Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, just, just give it, just, <laughs> I just thought it'd be just, of course they could do that. Of course Belichick could do that. He's an absolute genius and everyone, and then the Bengals, it would just be in so much suffering that we've had this quarterback and he wins the Super Bowl with another team. It would just, it would just be the perfect fitting end for both those franchises in the Belichick and uh, the happen, Bengals. Though, doesn't it? it does happen though. I mean, obviously you haven't seen that with, uh, with a quarterback at, uh, New England, but, We've, we've seen it time and time again where uh, Belichick and, and his front office go and pick up guys who are seemingly washed up or, or washed out of the NFL and turn them into Super Bowl champions. It's mm. just, it happens every year. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me to see Andy Dalton and AJ Green potentially in, in, uh, yeah. in New England next year. Get them up there. Who knows? Uh, Green Bay minus 12.5 at Detroit. Total is 43. And by the way, I just want to apologize. My voice sounds. A bit off here on the show. I've got the uh, battling the flu, the old uh, Christmas flu. I've just burnt the candle at both ends for about four or five days straight here, and I'm, I'm actually uh, suffering quite severely. But uh, you know, any excuse to talk about NFL, I'll, I'll take it. So I do apologise if that sounds bad. Turn it all in a lie down. Yeah, that's Turn what I'll be doing after I edit and upload this bad boy. Um, I will be on the couch and uh, and watching some uh, some cricket or some movies. We'll see how we go. Um, I'm going to go pass here on this Green Bay Detroit game. Um, Green Bay kind of only need to win here. The back door wide open. Um, once the Packers get out to a fast start, they could rest their players here in the second half. And I'm not a huge fan of their backup quarterback behind Rodgers. That drop-off's quite severe. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with a pass. But Green Bay, that was their most impressive win of the season last week. We were kind of waiting for that statement win. Um, a double-digit uh, road win against a playoff team. There's not too many of those this year by any team. Um, so that was kind of their statement win, and it came at the right time. They talked about winning ugly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a huge high scoring game, but it was to win double digits and completely make Kirk Cousins and that Vikings offense look ugly. ugly that was kind of pretty. Mm, it, look, it was good, and, and uh, it's been the Packers have been unexpectedly good from from my perspective. I didn't have them very high in my rankings preseason. Uh, they have slowly kind of 
um, got a hold of me as, as the season's gone on because we haven't really had a, a another option really. But I, I, part of me still feels that that they're a little bit overrated and their record is a bit overstated. Um, it's it's been a disastrous season for Detroit on the other hand, and uh, I think there are going to be some some potentially big changes in Detroit in the, in the off season. Last time these two teams played, the Packers won twenty three twenty two. The the twelve and a half point line is way too much um, this week, and, and clearly not going to touch Detroit at the moment, so it's a pass for me. Yeah, I mean, I've taken the Lions way too many times this season, but yeah, I'm not taking them here uh, at all. I just have no confidence in them. Surprisingly, though, there might not be that many changes. It sounds like Matt Patricia's going to stay, which I just think is just a baffling decision, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, the Chargers at the Chiefs. Chiefs minus nine at home here. The total is 45 and a half. Uh, for me, I'm taking the Chiefs minus five here. They win, they lock up that number three seed. Um, and I, yeah, I just think they, they're looking great. The Chiefs offense, it's rounding into form despite sort of the low point totals, uh, over the last couple of weeks, but they've played a few harder defenses in those times. And if you watch them, their, their offense is way more, control where the teams are trying to shut down the big plays and they're saying fine we'll just we'll just take the underneath we'll just slowly march our way down bleed the clock out score points because our defense is stellar they've allowed 31 points in their last four games combined so you know if that's the way that teams want to play the Chiefs then they're just going to do that and I think uh, they're going to do that against the Chargers who continue to stumble through a really lost season despite playing a pretty easy schedule um, I know the Chargers have only lost by more than seven points once this season because Philip Rivers perennially keeps teams in games and he's always down seven late in in games, marching with less than a minute to go. It feels like his entire career is that way, but this is a tough road matchup of the year. I think the Chiefs roll. My only concern is potentially, you know, up late and they rest Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter and um, the, the back door will be wide open for the Chargers, but... Uh, I think the Chiefs, the scary thing about them, this Chiefs team feels so different to last year in terms that their defense can make a stop. They don't need Pat Mahomes to score 45 points to, to win a playoff game. Um, I think they're probably the second best team in the NFL at the moment, the Chiefs. Yeah, they're on fire on, on both on both sides of the ball. We've known for a number of years how Andy Reid likes to, likes to play football and coach football teams. We know that, that he always has a high-powered offense and that he loves... Um, you know, mobile quarterbacks who could throw. He loves running backs. He loves wide receivers. He loves he loves scoring, um, and he loves high powered offenses, which he's had in in Kansas City for a couple of years now. Um, what what really separates them from from Chiefs teams uh, of the last few years is, is their defense. Like you said, that they are lights out, um, and, and I really feel like they're they're coming together at the right time of the season. Uh, you know, they can make some real noise in these playoffs if, if things go well for them. I think they can make some real noise. Uh, like I said, they're in form at the right time. Uh, I think they're going to walk over the Chargers. Uh, they're a bit down in the dumps. They've got nothing to play for. Um, another team, there could be some big changes uh, during the offseason and uh, potentially the next week even. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs minus nine for me. I, I think this should be a fairly easy one for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't like taking lines that big uh, in week seventeen, but it just seems just seems right here with the Chiefs and uh, and you're right. Uh, yeah, LA there could be some changes coming uh, on Black Monday, but we'll. I, I think what what gives me confidence with the with the nine point lead for the Chiefs is just that the, the way the defense plays is that they're not that they're very much a system defense, and it doesn't really matter who's on the field and who's hmm. not on the field. That they, they just play the right way. It doesn't matter who's on and off. Uh, and, and even if they start taking players off to, to rest in the last, I think the defense still holds up. Um, and, and even if they take Mahomes off, you know, third, fourth quarters, hopefully they're still in front by 20 by then. So it yep. shouldn't really matter. And Matt, Matt Moore's shown that he's, he's pretty handy. It's, it's yeah, not like play. it's an unexperienced, uh, sort of quarterback in there that can, uh, move the ball. So yeah, they're just going to probably hand it off and, and run out the clock and, and that's what's that's what's going to happen. So yeah, it's good job by the Ravens, you know, to to lock up the one seed because you're going to avoid playing the Chiefs potentially in round mm. two, which is, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm a team, and I do not want to be facing the Chiefs in the playoffs. Obviously, you're going to have to eventually, um, but you maybe probably prefer to play the Patriots and the Chiefs. I think, which sounds crazy, but in your building at home, um, I think I'd rather play the Pats than the Chiefs right now. Definitely, I think the Ravens would be praying for a Pats matchup. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think they have the, they've got the wood over them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and they're at home. Um, and and New England's weakness is mobile quarterbacks. Um, and so we'll we'll yeah. wait and see. But uh, speaking of New England, 
They're at home here, 15.5 point favorites. They're hosting Miami. The total's 45. Um, I, again, I just, I said I don't like taking lines this big in week 17, but I'm going to take the chalk here and take New England minus 15.5. They're treating this like a playoff game. A win essentially gives them a playoff buy. Brady's also within reach of passing uh, Peyton Manning's touchdown mark, which I know he'll want to overtake um, and not have to worry about that in the playoffs at all. Um, so I think even if they're restless starters, I think, you know, late in this game, I think Stidham is decent enough and the drop-off's not going to be that severe the way that Brady's played this season. Although Brady showed signs of, of improvement last week, the, uh, the Patriots offense showed some extra signs of juice last week. So that's got to be a positive light heading into the playoffs at the right time for the Pats. I just don't know how Miami are going to score enough here. I think New England can just run the ball well, control this game, get up the clocks, and, and their, their defense is bend, don't break. I just don't know how Miami is going to score enough points here. Yeah, it's a strange one because I don't I don't think either team really have a lot to play for. Like, If teams are going to start resting quarterbacks and offenses late in games, I think the, the Patriots are one of those teams given you know the average age of, of those skill players. Um, and Miami, surprisingly, in the second half of this season, have shown a resilience that I, I didn't see in them in the first half. Yeah, they were historically bad in the first half of the year, but but they've been they've been resilient, they've been strong, and they've kept fighting even when everything's against them in the second half of the year. And and they've been impressive. I think they've been fun to watch. Uh, and, and you could cert- you could certainly see development in them as as the year's gone on. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of tempted by the plus line for Miami. But I, I actually really like the under 45. I think that, that total of 45 points is way too high against uh, you know, a, a, a team that, that has such a stifling defense like the Patriots. Like you said, I don't know how Miami are going to score. But on the other hand, I don't think the Pats, the, the Pats are going to put up too many points either. So um, I like the unders and I like Miami at the plus line. Okay. Bit of a head-to-head. We'll see how we go. Uh, New Orleans minus 13 at Carolina. The total is 46 and a half. Um, this is a pass for me, uh, similar vibes to the, to the Packers game here with this back door being firmly open for the Carolina Panthers late. Will Greer was pretty shocking in his debut. Um, but he'll be better for the run, obviously, um, back at home. But yeah, I just don't know how Carolina, like, you know, the back door is going to be wide open. The Saints, they'll get out to an early lead. Although Bridgewater's, you know, we saw how good he was. He's, Think still the best against the spread quarterback this season, um, surprisingly. But yeah, this is a pass. Too high a division game. The Saints just need to win. That's that's all they're going to get. Yeah, the line's way too big. Um, it's essentially a scratch match. It's a practice match for the Saints and to get some, essentially get some yards in, in the reserves in the backups legs uh, before playoffs in case they're needed. But yeah, it's really a meaningless game and not going to touch this one. Yep, a win secures a, a first round uh, buy for for New Orleans, so they just. Oh, I think I think they'll win. I think they'll win, um, regardless of, of who takes the field. But uh, yeah, the, the line's too big, and yeah, I don't think there's much in it. Actually, sorry, I don't know if it does secure the buy because I think if the Packers win and the Forty ers win, the, the Saints are locked into the third seed. So um, mm. yeah, unfortunately, as good as the Saints have been, then they may not have a buy here. Um, surprisingly, yeah, I'm just checking Which that. Potentially gives them even less to play for. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, at worst, they're the third seed. It's so a, even if they lose, yeah. they're, they're going to be the third seed. <laughs> so it it doesn't really matter. Like if yeah, if even if they lose and the Seahawks win, it's actually a better result for them if they win and the Forty ers win. Um, yeah. funny old world. <laughs> That's the NFL for you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if that, that's probably anything, as you said, gives you more reason to just completely avoid this one. And I think that's probably going to be the same in this next one. Uh, New York Jets at Buffalo. Buffalo minus one and a half. The total is 36 and a half. Uh, yeah, Buffalo pretty much locked in, uh, to the five seed. Well, not pretty much. It's, it's a done deal that they're the five seed, but the Jets, they've won five of their last seven games. And, uh, yeah, basically they're, they're playing against the Bills who have absolutely nothing to play for. Um, the Bills have, have yet to say whether they're going to rest starters, but even if it doesn't, this, this isn't really an easy matchup for the Bills. Um, the first meeting between these two teams was a one-point Bills win. Um, the Jets, uh, the number two run defense by DVOA, so that matches up well here if the Bills are just going in and running the ball and, and not even trying. To win this, so if I'm I'm going to pass, but I lean Jets plus one and a half here. I, I doubt the Bills play starters. I just doesn't make any sense to me why why you would risk your quarterback or your or your great players in a meaningless match. Yeah, I, I like the Jets line too. I think the thing that concerns me about the Bills potentially resting players is they seem very much a rhythm team. 
the way that they play, especially on offense, they, they, they run the ball, they pound the rock, and they're so dependable on defense that I feel like they need to be in rhythm and they need to keep getting those reps to, to stay in rhythm and potentially not playing the starters uh, could potentially break that rhythm uh, and, and some of the momentum that they have. So that, that concerns me about the Bills, but either way, really, um, I, I think it's a really good matchup for the Jets and, um, yeah, I think I think it's set up for for a Jets win. I I, I don't know if they will or not, but uh, Jets the plus line is, is what I'm leaning. Okay, uh, let's move on. Indianapolis minus three and a half at Jacksonville. The total is forty three. I like the under forty three here. The Jags offense scored eleven, ten, twenty, and twelve in their last four games. They failed to top three hundred yards in any of those games. They were brutal in last year's season finale as well. And I, I don't, I just don't know whether they're going to show up to this game. There's some, some, uh, alleged changes happening in there. Tom Coughlin's been fired and, and Dave Caldwell apparently is, uh, potentially staying despite having one winning season in, in five years. So that's a little bit of a craziness going on there. This leaves the Colts who I think while it's been a pretty underwhelming finish given the start to their season, um, to give them a win here, you know, to finish eight and eight after their quarterback retired two weeks before the season, you could pretty much call that a successful season, I think. And I think they have a little bit more to play for, but they play a more slow, methodical game where they just want to, you know, take time off the clock and and chew up the clock and and just score and find their patches to win. And you know, this might be in danger if Naheem Hines returns two more uh, punts for a touchdown. But I like the under forty three here. Yeah, look. You got some some valid points, and I absolutely understand why you'd be on that side of the ball, and and I get it. Both of these teams have been so untrustable, you know, in better circumstances all year, um, and even more so here, where, where nothing really matters. I just can't trust either of these teams. I think, like you said, that the season as a whole has to be a, a bit of a victory. It's got to feel like, even though it's underwhelming, I think it it, it should be a victory in in Indy. Um, you put Andrew Luck on this team and they're a playoff team. I think it's it's really that simple. Um, and, you know, it's not like they had a you know, whole off-season to prepare for him not being there. They had a couple of weeks, like you said. Um, so I, I think it's been promising for the Colts. I think they've shown they've shown signs of being a really good football team. Uh, but they're missing a few pieces, and, and I think they'll, they've got a really good front office as well, and they'll look to rectify that over the off-season. Uh, on the other side, Jacksonville, I think there are some massive changes coming said there might be some, some weird things happening in, in Florida, but I think it's going to be a really interesting off-season in, in Jacksonville. Uh, a really interesting off-season for both sides, but I, I can't trust either of them in, in this Week 17. Nothing to play for matchup. Yeah. Although I want the Colts to lose so that we're in a better position to, to draft a good quarterback because I've just lost all faith in Jacoby. He's a great human being, a great you know, locker room guy and everything from all reports. But... Great backup. Yeah, I just I just prefer him as a I just prefer him as a backup quarterback at this point. So I want us to be in a better spot to uh to take a quarterback. But I have a feeling that we'll get out to a lead and just chew out the clock here and win this game. I don't know if the three and a half that extra hook was enough for me to kind of decide. Minshew kind of seems to always click into gear when they're down two touchdowns for some reason. Um, so I can see them kind of coming back a little bit late. But yeah, I like the under here. Um, all right, let's move on. Oakland at Denver. Denver minus three and a half. The total is forty one. Um, what's your thoughts on this one? Well, look, funnily enough, nobody knows the weather and the conditions and the altitude in Colorado better than the Denver Broncos. <laughs> uh, the Oakland Raiders, as I've said all year, except for that two-week stretch where you made me apologize to them, the Oakland <laughs> Raiders are trash. <laughs> they, they are trash. And they're saying goodbye to Oakland. And, well, they've said goodbye, but, but you know, this is their last game as the Oakland Raiders. Um, you know, bye-bye. It, it, it hasn't been fun. <laughs> I haven't liked watching you. I haven't liked following you. I haven't liked betting on you. Uh, you just haven't been good, really, at anything. And so just see you later. Denver Denver at the line at home, uh, minus three and a half, I think should, should be a, a decent play. Yep. Uh, four things need to happen for the Raiders to have a chance to make the playoffs. So despite how trash they are, uh, Nick, they need to win in Denver. They need the Titans to lose to the Texans. They need the Colts to win in Jacksonville. And they need the Steelers to lose in Baltimore. Like none of these seems Which, seem far fetched in isolation, but you know the four part parlay does seem far less that, likely. That is, uh, yeah, that would be a fairly juicy multi. Yeah, it would be. Um, but since Drew Lock, I think it, it would be lovely if all three of those happened, except for this one here. And I think uh, I think the Broncos win. I think since Drew Lock's 
taken over in Denver. The Broncos are three and one. Two of those wins were by double digits. Um, Derek Carr always struggles in cold weather. He has a 65.9 passer rating when the temperature is below 50. And we saw it in weeks 11 and 12 against the uh, Jets and Chiefs. And I think we're on par for a 40 40 degree game. That's Fahrenheit uh, for our Australian listeners. Um, The Broncos' pass defense is the sixth best in the league. And they would love nothing better than to officially knock their bitter rivals out from the playoffs and uh, give them their final loss as the Oakland Raiders. I'm taking Denver minus three if it gets to the flat three. Yeah, and it's going to be, I think it's going to get close to 40 degrees in Melbourne. Too. <laughs> uh, that's that's about 112 Fahrenheit. Yep. Um, but no, uh, the great thing about Drew Locke is that he looks like a quarterback. You, you watch him and he looks like a good quarterback. He reminds me, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers' light. You know, he's, he's kind of big and strong. He's athletic. Um, he obviously can throw the ball. He loves throwing the ball. Uh, but he can move. He can move about in the pocket. And uh, he just looks like a good quarterback. And I, I have a feeling that, that they're looking at him as, as a long-term solution at, at the position. Yeah, they finish. The, you know, this this game means something to them because they can finish the year strong and build on that. And for Drew Locke, it means a lot as well in, in their offense. So um, I think I trust them more than most of the other Week 17 teams to, to kind of cover a spread here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Philadelphia minus four and a half at the Giants. The total is forty-four and a half. Uh, Nick, why don't you start us off with your uh, Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> well, well, I was going to respond to some of your your points, which, uh, which you made in our uh, document. <laughs> do you want me to do you want to kickstart us then? No, look, it's okay. You put me on the spot here, but it's, it's all right. Um, <laughs> look, it, it would it would certainly be very much an Eagles of twenty nineteen to lose this game after all the effort and hard work they've put in over the, the last month to, to kind of get themselves back into this situation where they control their own destiny. Um, but I, I think what they've shown over the last three or four weeks is that this Eagles unit is much more resilient than we thought and that, that we have seen most of the year. You know, despite going into this match with an offense that features uh, a rookie running back, a second-year tight end, and a host of kind of unheralded, undrafted wide receivers, you know, this, this 2019 Eagles team is in control of their own destiny. And... and for the first time in months, they can say, this is what we need to do, and, and this is this is all we need to do. We don't need to worry about any other team. We worry about ourselves, and we do our job, and we'll play playoffs. The quarterback who's been under scrutiny all year is showing is showing why he is respected so much in Philadelphia, why why they love him, why he's the franchise quarterback of, of the future. He's a leader. Um, he's led a team full of unheralded players on offense to, to win games of football. Um, and, and we haven't seen someone do that in Philadelphia for a very, very long time. So, as I've said every week, um, I, I don't bet on the Eagles um, just because it's it's too hard for me to separate my heart from my head. But um, I think the Eagles win and they play playoffs. And like you said at the top of the show, I don't think I don't think many teams will want to play Philadelphia in uh, in the first week of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean. I was just going to say, for the last, for most of the season, it was like, oh, Philly, you kind of just afloat and, and they'll be lucky to finish 500 and, and Dallas are a much better team and they're going to make the playoffs. But, you know, you beat the Giants and then you're at home hosting potentially Seattle if everything goes chalky, yeah. who just lost a lot of their players and, and their, and their running backs and stuff. And you'd fancy your chances against Seattle at home. Um, their game a couple of weeks ago, uh, was a close one and I think Philly are certainly, um, pointing more firmly on the up than, and then Seattle more firmly on the down, given um, the differences between those two teams since they last played. So there's a chance that they win a playoff game and, and you know, and kind of can go on a run here. So while my numbers have this Eagles, you know, minus six and a half here, making it a, a strong play, um, I just have this weird feeling last stomach that this could completely go the wrong way. Um, I really should trust my numbers here on the show. But it, as you said, it would be very 2019, uh, 20, uh, 2019 Eagles. Sorry, this is the flu. My meds are catching up on me. But it would be very 2019 Eagles to lose this game after all but locking up the division to, to lose on the road to the Giants. The Giants were... Pretty impressive last week. I did say that. Imagine the uh, Giants in Washington game would be more entertaining than the uh, Eagles Cowboys game. I think it might have been, um, but yeah, it it would be. But I think the Eagles win. Um, and you talked about winning with Miles Sanders. He's been on fire the last few weeks. They need to keep featuring him. I know Jordan Howard's yep. back, but I just would be insane not to keep giving the ball to Miles Sanders. And I think yep. Dallas Goddard. You know, he was. 
he was highly regarded coming out, and I think he's the heir to the throne. Zach Ertz, he's still got plenty of years left in him, but I think Ertz needs to, uh, Goddard needs to be featured more. He's, he's a trustworthy target. He's got safe hands and he's a great blocker. So, um, you know, these two, these two guys are kind of the key here for the Eagles going forward. Um, and he, he really stood up. He really stood up when it counted last week as well, when, when Ertz went off the field. And, and there's some, there's some really big question marks about whether Ertz will play this week, uh, with kind of ribs slash back. Uh, complaints after after that big hit, um, but you know, like like you said, Sanders and, and Goddard have really really stood up when when it's counted, and you just got to keep playing these guys. You just have to keep playing them. And, and got, like you said, Goddard was really highly rated out of college for, for the the fact that yes, he can do all those things. But the Eagles actually moved up in the draft to get him ahead of the Dallas Cowboys because they knew the Cowboys wanted him, yep. and they moved up in the draft to get him one pick before the Cowboys pick. So. Um, and it came in handy against the Cowboys. <laughs> exactly right. It was it was amazing. After he scored, uh, he scored that opening touchdown uh, in the first quarter, and the crowd just went nuts, yelling um, "Boo Dallas!" And it was kind of bizarre watching that on TV. It would have been would have been wild to be there, but watching it on TV, Dallas scores a touchdown, and the yelling "Boo Dallas" was uh, it was amazing. Yeah, uh, I tweeted there was only one good Dallas last weekend, and it was Goddard. So uh, good on shout out to Dallas Goddard. Um, yeah, he's in a few of my dynasty teams, a fantasy team. So I'm waiting and waiting, and he's found the end zone quite a few times now. So uh, keep feeding Dallas. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it. I probably will revisit it over the weekend. And end up taking uh, the Eagles here. I just. It does seem very square, but um, you know, I think everyone in the world might be picking the Giants here just because they think it's you know it would be very Eagles to do that. So maybe it's not so square after all. So we'll have to. I'll, I'll do some some more digging to convince myself. Uh, Pittsburgh minus two at Baltimore. The total is thirty-seven and a half here. It's on the record here. The Ra- the Ravens will be resting key players in this game. Um, so the the line is. Well off where it should be. Otherwise, I think it'd be Baltimore minus thirteen and a half or something like that if they were playing Lamar Jackson and, and all their starters. But I don't know if the totals adjusted enough. Um, you can only sit so many players with, with how rosters are constructed. So you should see plenty of talented defensive players still take the field for the Ravens. And and that doesn't sound like a scenario where Duck Hodges is going to just suddenly become a, a competent quarterback putting up loads of points on the road in, in a tough environment against the Ravens. Um, and the Steelers' elite defense, you know, they're still going to be playing hard because they need to win um, and control their destiny and seal a playoff fate. So I, I really like the unders here. I don't know if Robert Griffin can really light up this Steelers' defense like Lamar Jackson. And even you know, as good as Lamar Jackson's been, the MVP, um, you know, he, he didn't explode against the Steelers. They're still a really, really, really strong defense. Um, so I think under is the play here. Under is 12 and 3 in Pittsburgh's games this year in, in, including hitting on their last seven. I don't, I don't know how that changes this week. Yeah, I, I can't see many points in this one at all. I, I kind of agree completely. I think that, like you said, the Ravens will be resting starters, but I think the bulk of those will be on the offensive end, uh, which means that their defense really should, should be intact. And, and there's, there's a, a load of talent on that Baltimore defensive unit. Um, Duck Hodges has been an upgrade over the last couple of weeks, uh, but you know this this Baltimore team, even with players rested, is, is a different proposition. Uh, like I said, I can't see points in this one. I agree with you. the under thirty seven and a half. I think it should be uh, should be a bit lower than that. So I'm uh, I'm taking the, the unders. Yeah, I mean the last time they played, it was twenty six twenty three, and the Ravens won in overtime here. And Lamar threw three interceptions and, and one touchdown, so it was probably his yeah. worst performance of the year. Um, so he won't be playing. You've got RG3 going against that defense here, and the Ravens' defense is a lot better than they were um, when they when they faced the Steelers all the way back when they've been on a bit of a roll since kind of that game. So uh, it's yeah, I don't think they've allowed more than I think they've allowed more than 20 points once since then. Uh, the Ravens, and it was against the Jets um, in really late sort of fashion with the game on the line after they scored 40 something points. So. Um, yeah, I do think the under is probably the way to go. Um, all right, Tennessee minus three and a half at Houston. The total is 45 and a half here. Win and they're in. We talked about it at the top of the show. The Titans control their own fate here. I mean, if you can't beat the Houston Texans, then you don't really deserve to make the playoffs if you get swept by the Texans. I think, uh, that's a pretty good rule, I think, in the NFL. But the Chargers Chiefs game is going to be over before the Titans Texans game even starts. So if, if the Chiefs win, which is what we're expecting, to happen in quite easily. 
I just don't understand how the Texans can justify playing their starters, considering they're 100% locked into the to that to that seed that they're in. So especially given how thin and top heavy their roster is, it would be insane to to start like Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. So while I, I just think the Saints, are, even with all those players, I think the Saint, the Tennessee team are uh, sorry the Tennessee Titans are a better team. They really had a chance to beat the Saints until that sort of fumble by Khalif Raymond, where I still think it was a penalty. He took a headshot there and was completely knocked out, um, and that's how he fumbled the ball. I mean, it's hard to hang on to a football when you're knocked out. Um, so I think they were the better team in their previous meeting, the Titans. They were just a little bit unlucky with some unlucky red zone um, shenanigans. I think they have a lot more to play for. They're the better team. I'm taking Tennessee minus three and a half. The Titans are a much more complete team, I think, than the, the Texans. Yep. I think the Texans are really good in, in one area and one area only. Um, whereas the Titans, I think, can do it on both sides of the ball. Derrick Henry resting last week lost me my fantasy football playoff um, <laughs> because I didn't know that he wasn't going to play and obviously the early game and all that sort of stuff. So uh, that was disappointing. But I think he'll possibly win the Titans that wildcard spot. Uh, I think he's in for a big one. I think they're going to go to him very often um, and I think the Texans probably need the week off to, to rest their starters you know, they're, they're banged up, Will Fuller's been out of the team all year, Deshaun Watson is, is always banged up um, You know, these guys, just, they, they need a break if they're going to do anything uh, in January, they need a break and, and so I think that the Texans regardless will probably rest a few of their guys uh, Tennessee win and cover they'll make the playoffs and they'll do that Tennessee the line uh, it's an easy choice for me Okay, Washington at Dallas. Dallas minus 11 at home. The total is 45.5. Nick, what have you got? Yeah, look, surely Jason Garrett is updating his resume. How could he have a job come Tuesday next week? It, it just doesn't It doesn't make sense how he still has a job in Dallas. Um, this second half of the season has just been a disaster for the Cowboys. And I, I'm loving it, but it's just been, it's, it's been watching a, a train wreck. Um, on paper, the Cowboys are incredibly good. You know, look, mm. look at their roster from from head to toe; they are they are incredible. Uh, but they're being completely wasted by a, a head coach that that really is a, a caricature of of an NFL head coach, and it's it's just becoming a joke. And it's not just in Dallas, but around the NFL. It, it is strange that the Cowboys can still win and the Eagles can still lose, and and they can make the playoffs. And you know, all the Eagles fans are uh, in crow, but. I don't even want to think about that. It is possible the Cowboys are still are in the playoffs come next week, but uh, I don't think that it happens. Um, it's been a horrible season for Dallas. I just want to see that continue. But betting wise, it's a pass for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hard one. It's it's a clear pass for me. It, has there been a more disappointing team this season than the Cowboys? Like I don't I don't think there has been. They have the best point differential at plus eighty two and yardage differential of plus 1,426 of any sub-500 team in the Super Bowl era. Like, that's that's pretty crazy. Last year when they won the, the division with 10-6 and six record, they only finished with plus 15 on the point differential and a, a yardage differential of 233. So as I said at the top of the show, it kind of sums up the NFL that the real difference between 10-6 and six and 8-8, eight and eight, a few bounces of football, a couple of plays on special teams, and, and a little bit of, little bit of good luck. Um, the, the, and, some, and some coaching. Yeah. Some coaching. Exactly. Definitely some, some coaching um, <laughs> is definitely important. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like the, You kind of hear that and you think, geez, the Cowboys do deserve to be in the playoffs. So you know, maybe if the Eagles lose to the Giants and the Cowboys do get in, that kind of is a little bit of justice for the Cowboys who have been really better than their record suggests. But at the same time, why should Jason Garrett be rewarded for, for that? And if they do somehow sneak into the playoffs... They're going to keep Jason Garrett, and that just doesn't seem like the smartest thing to. Maybe missing the playoffs here and getting Garrett fired is the best decision for the Cowboys long term, um, and it, it means that they get a fresh start and that they can um, actually have a, a competent head coach uh, for a change. They shouldn't have uh, re-signed him or, or given him a new deal. Uh, I think three seasons ago, Jason Garrett. So he's kind of overstayed his welcome, well and truly. Well, imagine what you know. What a good coach. Imagine. Uh, Frank Wright in Dallas with, with that offense mm. um, and that quarterback. Dak Prescott's a, a really good player. I've yep. completely changed my tune on, on him from the start of the season. Um, you know, Sean McDermott, Sean McVay, even. I know, I know we have differing opinions on, on Sean McVay, but I think, I still think he's a really good coach despite what's happening in LA this year. 
and I imagine he could do wonders with that Dallas line, yeah. that lineup. And, and uh, uh, it, it's kind of scary to think that, that how good they are at times and, and how they just beat up on teams at times. Um, but when they can't get it done against against good teams and, and they can't get it done when it matters, I think that's that solely comes down to coaching. And, and mm. it really is the weak, the weak link in that franchise. And, and surely Jerry Jones has to know that by now. Yeah. I think there's a lot of culture in Dallas as well, and the spotlight's always on them because of Jerry Jones as well. So that's kind of an added pressure that maybe other teams and franchises franchises don't experience, and that's maybe something to factor in a little bit as well. Um, you mentioned Sean McVay, and 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 we'll get to the Rams. I I don't think Sean McVay's a bad coach. I just think he needed to deserve some some blame and and not avoid some criticism for the way the Rams have played this season, just given the roster and the acquisitions that they acquired, and just need to people need to question what their plan is long term, and obviously has. He has a say in that. Um, I know it's not all it's not all him. It's management as well. But um, there's a little bit of tough decisions that the Rams will need to go through this this season. Um, so they're hosting the the Cardinals at home. There's no real line or total out there. There's a, a, an agency here that has a line at four and a half with the Rams favored. Um, the reason that's down is because rookie quarterback Kyler Murray may not play because of a hamstring inju- injury. He's limited. Um, apparently, he wants to play. Um, but I just doubt the Cardinals will, will let him in a meaningless game. I mean, he's proven his worth this season. He's proven what he is and what he is going to be. And and um, with that being said, I just don't understand why you would start him. So um, I think the Rams' chances of covering the spread at home and, and closing out their season with a victory is pretty high. Um, Brett Hudley's capable. He showed some stuff last week, but he doesn't pose the same sort of downfield throwing ability threat that, that Kyler Murray does. And I think the Rams, um, I'll take the Rams at the minus four and a half. I'll take them any, anything up to a flat seven, um, including at flat seven. And I have it at minus eight, basically, um, even with Kyler Murray plays with the Rams being at home. I still think the Rams are a good side. They pushed the 49ers to the brink last week, and, you know, they're just a bit unlucky due to some mid-season lulls, and, and, and it just it didn't kind of all come together for the Rams. The Super Bowl hangover kind of cost them, and they're going to miss out by a game or two. Yeah, look, uh, we spoke about this a bit off air um, before we did this podcast, but um, I can't see a reason why Arizona would risk Kyler Murray. I mean, with something that can potentially be as serious as hamstring injury for a dynamic quarterback, your one one wrong pivot or or a, a step, you know, half a yard too far, and all of a sudden that that minor hamstring injury becomes a chronic hamstring injury. And I think for a guy like that, you just don't risk it in a meaningless game. I know he wants to play, but every player wants to play. Uh, and he'll want to he'll want to play and continue with season, um, but what? Why? Why risk him? He's he's the guy that they had. They did everything in their power to to pick him at number one to be their quarterback for the next decade. Why would you risk him in, in a meaningless game at the end of a season? Um, even if he does play, I, I like the Rams here um, because he, he still won't be a hundred percent. But especially without Murray, I mean, if 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 the books if the books come online with anything near that four and a half line I'll, I'll be taking the Rams uh, and, and as you said even if it's a, a bit higher than that but um, yeah look I, I don't see any way that it's uh, Kyler Murray plays this yeah, game. Yeah and, and the games and I suffered from this earlier this season when he was on the injury report for the two weeks um, with the similar injury and, and he still played he just wasn't the same and then uh, the, the week when he finally was removed from that, he played great again, and they covered and they won and 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 all that, and all that. So I think it's been a successful season. I think they found something in Kenyon Drake. I think David Johnson's probably going to find himself um, a free agent, and it's going to be a tough decision by the Cardinals to to release him or trade him. But I think Kenyon Drake just slots in really well with this scheme that Cliff Kingsbury. I think it's been a successful first year for them. Um, him, Kyler, Kyler, Cliff, and Kenyon. There's the uh, well, I'm not going to say KKK, but um, <laughs> oh, you did. <laughs> I just did, but it is a weird, um, a weird little combo there that they've got coming. Slightly racist combo at the same time, um, but yeah, it, it's yeah, they're exciting. They're a fun team to watch. Yeah, exactly. I just like, like you said, his his legs are so important to him that if he's not if he's not fit, then he's not going to be hmm. as dynamic and and as good as you we can't avoid can. sacks. You're just putting his body in danger, and he's not. He doesn't have the same athleticism in terms of like he's not six foot seven. He's not. He's not that big kind of athletic quarterback that we've become used to over the last decade in the NFL. Mm. He relies so much on his speed and his agility um, to move around that, that if he's off 5%, then that 5% can become 20% really quickly. Um, and, and if it risks his, his long-term agility and um, ability to move around, then 
I just can't see why they would risk it at all. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Um, all right, let's move on to the last game, and this is essentially a playoff game, really. I think it's a, a kind of a little bridge between the official start of the playoffs and the end of the regular season here. San Fran minus 3.5 at Seattle. The total is 47. If San Fran win, they're their number one seed. If Seattle win, um, they secure a, uh, a bye, I believe. Um, I'll need to double-check that, but uh, the line's 3.5. Total's 47. What's your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, obviously it's the game of the week. Um, there isn't really any other game that has um, the, the calling of, of this game. Yep. Um, and Beast Mode. Beast Mode's back, um, which you know, under, under most circumstances would be a great thing, but not so much for Seattle uh, because they're going to go into, into playoffs with a, a running back who hasn't played for 14 months. Um, we, we know how good he is, and, and kind of, I'm sure there are people that don't love Beast Mode, but... Um, he's great for the game. He's great for the fans. He's great for the, the audience in the NFL world, um, Marshall Lynch. But it's not a great situation for, for Seattle to be going in the playoffs with uh, with him as their the number one running back. Um, the Niners deserve to win this. They deserve to to win the NFC after their their incredible season. Um, I, I kind of had them nine to ten wins. I think mm. I think I had them doing pretty well. I, I didn't have them winning the conference, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> I thought that they would play well. But I, you know, they deserve it. They deserve it, and I think they want to win. You, you see it every week when they they run out on the field. Every down is, is like life or death for them. Um, they crave winning. They crave victory, and, and they want to win everything. And, and I don't, I don't feel like I can say the same for the Seahawks, who who seem to take plays off and and even games off. They've, they've lost winnable games um, a couple of times this year. They've, they've lost games that they should win. Um, and, and I just think the Niners get it done. I know that it's a, it's a big game for the Seahawks. I know it's in Seattle, um, but I think the Niners get it done, and I think they they win the, the NFC, and, and I think they cover. Yeah, uh, for the Seahawks, uh, if they win, but the Packers and Saints both win, Seahawks are the three seed, so it gives them a chance to host a playoff game rather than travel on the road. And then obviously for the 49ers, a loss will catapult them to the fifth seed and, and mean that they have to uh, not only travel a lot more but play an extra game. So there's just so much more on the line here for the 49ers. Um, you know, a win here secures home field advantage, means that they can take a week off, stay in their building for the playoffs, and, and it's tough to go over, you know, travel onto that, that coast and, and beat them in their building. So, you know, I'm going to pass. I'm just going to really enjoy this one. I think the 49ers are a much better team. Um, you know, they've just, they've just got so many chunk yardage this, this year in terms of plays over 20 plus yards. They just, they just rip off these big plays and play by play. And it's not always just the same guy as well. It's all different guys. George Kittle has big plays. Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. They've all had these big games and big plays. And they're just a much better team. They're a more fun team to watch. They're far more balanced. Jimmy G last week, those two throws on third and 16 were absolutely clutch. If you had any doubts about him... Um, you know, I think they kind of calm the nerves a little bit. I still think he's not, you know, still not the best quarterback out of this matchup. Russell Wilson's still the much better quarterback, more experienced quarterback, one that you trust the most. But um, I think you feel better about your chances in terms of winning playoffs and going on a run and making the Super Bowl with Jimmy G after seeing the way that he finished that game last week. Um, and Seattle, on the other hand, they converted just one of 12 third downs in their loss to Arizona against a really bad defense. They allowed six yards per play to the Cardinals' offense, um, and that was missing. Kyler Murray for most of the game as well, um, but Seattle they're fourteen and seven against the spread as a home dog under Pete Carroll. So it's hard to it's hard to bet on Seattle here, just given the stink around them and their coaching. I can't wait for them to feed a thirty three year old running back rather than put the ball in the hands of their franchise um, MVP candidate quarterback. But you know that's going to happen with the way that they that they're set up, the way that they want to run the ball and establish the run. But I just can't really bet against them in it's this only, spot. They've done that in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny that it feels like they've changed their whole philosophy because they didn't establish a run there late in that game with Marshall Lynch, who's now in a full circle back in the building. Um, it's going to be fun to watch Beast Mode, but yeah, in these spots, it's hard to bet against Seattle. I just think um, this could be a field goal game. So at the three and a half, I'm going to pass. Yeah, I think you know it was about somewhere around week ten or week twelve that kind of all said on this show that we wanted to see more out of the Niners. I think they were about ten and one at that stage, eleven and one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as good as they were playing, a lot of that was on defense, and, and we hadn't seen a lot on offense. I think since then, they've really put together an offensive game plan that, that really suits them, that suits Jimmy G in the way that he, he, he throws the ball, the way that he reads the game and, uh, and calls plays um, under center. I think also the, 
that they're a lot more confident with the ball in his hands than they were in the first half of the season. And I think he's shown he's shown enough to, to kind of say that he's now settled as as the quarterback. He uh, whether he whether he deserves that contract that he's got that's another story. Uh, and luckily James isn't here to talk about that because he's still scathing about it. But um, <laughs> Look, they're, they're a much better team. As good as they were in the first half of the season, I think they're a much better team in the second half of the season. And, and you know, they really deserve to, to win the NFC. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. And I, I'm keen. I'm keen for them to have the one seed and, and we get that Saints uh, 49ers rematch. That's the, that's the NFC Championship match I think we all deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think that wraps up uh, all the games for the week. So looking uh, across the board at our lock of the week and, and our best bets, which we'll get to in a second, I think uh, the Atlanta-Tampa Bay over 48, all the way back to the first game that we talked about, looks to be yeah. our lock of the week. They were pretty set on, on, on that one. Yeah, there are a couple, I think, that we're, we're kind of on the same page about. Obviously, like like you said at the top of the show, I think every, every game comes with the caveat that this is week 17 um, and that, that not everything is as it seems um, in, in a lot of these games. So while, while we're on the same page uh, on that one, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that you know, the game will pan out that way. Yep. Uh, and uh, just, just keep that in mind. Like you said, you probably wouldn't want to be wagering a lot on, yep. on each of these games. But, uh, yeah, just keep that in mind. Yeah, maybe if you want to look, we're both on the same page with the Pittsburgh-Baltimore total as well. So it might be worth just sort of splitting it up and just putting a, a half unit on each of those and taking the under... 37 and a half and then the over 48 in that um we're, we're both on the same page there as well if you want to look at totals so that way you, you're spreading your wealth a little bit bit more fun to watch on on week 17 and you're not all all chips in on a week 17 total <laughs> for, yeah, for, exactly. for the lot of the week less less risk on one one game yep um uh, bets and long shots uh what's your best bets this week uh yeah as you just said atlanta tampa over 48 uh, I like the Chiefs minus nine and a half, regardless of, of whether um, the, the starters come off the field in the, in the second half. And Denver at home uh, against Oakland minus three and a half. And uh, long shot, like I said, I, I really like Jameis Winston to just throw the ball. He's going to be going for that that's uh, five thousand passing yards for the season. Uh, had a look on one of the American books, the, the local books here. Haven't got the uh, the player props out yet. It's uh, Jameis Winston three hundred and sixty one. Or more passing yards, about a three dollar ten shot, which probably, given his season, should probably be at about two fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's some value there. But uh, I also like Cincinnati money line, which you can get on the Australian books. You can find two dollars forty if you shop around. Yeah, uh, I don't mind that one at all. Uh, my best bets this week: all totals: Pittsburgh, Baltimore under thirty seven and a half in that one. Tampa Bay, Atlanta, our lock of the week over forty eight. And then Indian Jacksonville under 43. Um, my long shot, I'm channeling AJ Brown, but unfortunately, even the US books aren't up with a, with a line yet on, on the Titans receivers yet. So I'll, I'll be looking around the 100 plus receiving yards. Um, if that's over the $2 mark, I'll be, I'll be taking that. Um, so that's something to just monitor and, and see what, what books go up with that price. Um, I've had a look they're around. Also, they're, they're also waiting to see what the, the status of Derrick Henry is. Yep. Because um, I was having a look at, at Derrick Henry props and there was nothing really about the Derrick Henry either. So I think most of the player props, um, they're just waiting to see whether, whether Henry plays or, or doesn't play. Yeah, it's, it's a funny old week for player props because you just don't know how many snaps each each person's going to get mm. and, 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 and how long they're going to play and how long they're going to be on the field. So I think channel those sort of meaningful matchups there, the 49ers, Seahawks, and then obviously the Titans against the Texans. Um, they're all obviously playing for everything as well. So they're kind of the two to really channel there um, with so much uh, on the line um, to play for. So, yeah, I'll be looking at A.J. Brown. Um, if I was looking at something in, in the San Fran game, I, I am tempted to go back to the George Kittle well. Um, but yeah, after last week, it's, you know, hard to, hard to get up and, and get confident given my record at long shots here on the show. Um, but you know, if you just look around there, there could be some value about, um, you know, his receiving yards. I think he could get a hundred again and that's at sort of the $3 mark. So he's, he's always, he's always a guy to look at in the cost because you know that when they need something, they go to him yeah. and it doesn't mean that they're always going to go to him. It doesn't mean that he's going to, you know, he's going to rack up 150 yards every week. But if they do need a big play, he's he's the number one option. And he's yeah. the guy that they look at to, to provide that spark. Um, we saw it a couple of weeks ago uh, against New Orleans. Yep. Um, that, that last minute oh. run, it was only 16 yards, whatever. But 
Um, the boy was important. Yeah. And, and oh, and and he, and he got the face mask as well. So exactly, yep. exactly. So um, <laughs> he's he's the guy when they need something, they go to him. He's having a Gronkian season, uh, Kittle. It's been he's been absolute beast. So yeah, hundred plus three bucks. I might go back to the well. Um, I just like to bet on fun players. I think that's kind of my method with my long shots is just picking the fun players. I don't want to watch and AJ Brown and, and George Kittle are definitely part of that. Um, all right, let's wrap things up with uh, looking at the uh, the stats insider models plays for this week. Obviously, it treads carefully as well, being week 17 yeah definitely i mean keep in mind that the model i mean like like most of us we don't know which which players are going to play which starter is going to be rested uh it's worth checking back closer to the kickoff um but the three best bets on site at the moment as of uh, friday kind of lunchtime uh houston plus three and a half which is a nine percent green play uh the giants at the line plus four and a half another nine percent green play which i'm just going to disregard i'm going to pretend i never saw that um <laughs> And uh, Baltimore-Pittsburgh over 37.5, which uh, goes against both of us. Okay. Uh, but that's that's a 5% green total play, and the model is pretty good on totals. But, again, it doesn't know yet what those, those lineups are going to look like. Yeah. I mean that's that's factoring in Lamar Jackson playing at this point, right? That hasn't been he exactly. hasn't been officially ruled out, unfortunately. But that's just the nature of the the NFL in terms of injury reporting and all that sort of stuff in the in the inactives. Yeah. Exactly, and one of the things that you can kind of look at is that the model has Baltimore favourite. Yep. Um, so that's it's kind of one of the long shots at the moment on the site. Um, but again, you've just got to keep some of those things in mind that, that you can get. Um, a, a lot of the time you can get really good value earlier in the week and, and yep. before the weekend. And, um, but week 17 is a different beast, so just uh, just keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, the other long shot. Yeah, the other long shot. So I had Giants at the, the money line, which is a 9% green play. But, uh, again, yeah, I was going to say, how does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough one. It's, the NFL is, is tough any week <laughs> yep. for, for any sort of um, algorithm model. And, and so the, the Stats Insider model has, has done remarkably well for a number of years in terms of being able to find that value against the market. But week 17, like I said, is just a, a different beast. Yeah. I mean, Baltimore winning, Baltimore's backups beating the Steelers is does would not surprise me at all. So that no, that's potentially no, exactly. a, a good long shot play um, as well at the money line. Um, anything over well, $2.10. Yeah. That, and that's the other thing is that, that potentially the, the Baltimore backups are potentially still better than the Pittsburgh <laughs> starters on offense. Yeah, definitely um, on, definitely on offense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the defense is, is different, but... Uh, like I said earlier during the show, I, I think that the Baltimore defense might remain relatively intact. Yep. Um, while the, the, the starters that get rested will, will probably be on the offensive end. So exactly. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised by the Ravens still winning. Yeah, the game it might only take 17 points to beat the Steelers at this point. Um, just given how bad their offense has been. So uh, yeah, who knows? All right. Well, uh, that wraps up a, a great regular season. Obviously, we'll be back next week uh, to talk Wild Card Week. Uh, James will be back on deck. Um, I'll be uh, not in my usual setting, so we'll, we'll do our best. Um, I'll, I'll take my equipment with me, and we'll see how we go. But I wouldn't miss uh, talking about the wild card matchups. Um, it's normally the best week of the playoffs um, with four just juicy games. Um, I can say right now, I can't wait to bet against the Texans and the Seahawks in the playoffs. Uh, Nick, have a have a great week. Enjoy your new year, and we'll uh, we'll be back to talk wild card weekend. Yeah, mate, happy new year. It's been a, it's been a good season so far. Yeah, it's been great. Um, you can check us out at Stats Insider. Head to statsinsider.com au to check out all the articles and the in-play NFL um, on Red Zone. It's just good to have it up. Have it up on the laptop while you're watching Red Zone. Um, it's the way to go. Um, and until next week, peace.